Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, we'll check in with Jake Pavorsky, the GM of Liberty Ballers, a 2015 TBT team that advanced to the Super 17. Jake's also the managing editor of the SB Nation blog by the same name, which is devoted to the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a great interview. I think you're really going to enjoy the story that Jake has to tell about how he got this team together. Hey, remember, if you're listening on iTunes, hit that little button that says subscribe and leave a rating and a review. It'll help spread the word. Thanks. Hey, Jake. Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good to talk to you. Hey, so how have you been? All is good. Enjoying first year at Temple University, coming off a great performance in TBT this summer. Looking forward to, to getting back into it in 2016. Can't complain. Now, you actually transferred to Temple, right? I did. So I was at the University of Maryland last year studying in journalism and wanted to be closer to home, wanted to be back in Philly, loved the area. So I uh, made the move to Temple and now studying uh, media studies and production and, and everything's great. I'm involved with the uh, Temple basketball program now. I'm a manager on the team and really enjoying my time here. Oh, no kidding. How did you start doing that? Uh, I sort of knew a friend of someone who works on the team and got in touch with them about possibly being a manager. And they have a lot, like much more than any other major college team does. But I'm involved here and there. And hopefully over the next year or two, I'll start traveling with the team and going to games. But right now, I just go in for a couple practices and help rebound or mop the floors when they need a typical starter out manager stuff. That's great. You're actually going to continue a tradition of Temple managers we have organizing teams in TBT because I think we have two of them that run the North Broad Street Bullies. That's right. I actually run into Marco here and there who ran the North Broad Street Bullies. And uh, at the beginning, he gave me a tough time about uh, coming after some Temple guys and, and running through Philly. But uh, we're good friends now, I think. Let's kind of go through your background, Jake, if we can, because I know you're studying journalism now, but you've actually been involved in journalism for quite a while with the Liberty Ballers blog, right? Right. So I got my start at age 15. I was just a disappointed Philadelphia sports fan, frustrated by the performance of my favorite teams and just needed a way to vent and slowly started climbing the ranks. I was doing flyer stuff for a little bit and in 2013, I got the opportunity to join Liberty Bars as a staff writer. And then uh, 2014, I took it over as managing, co-managing editor. Now I'm the single managing editor. Uh, site's doing great. I'm enjoying covering the team, being able to meet a lot of cool people, make some cool connections. And everything's great with the, uh, with the where the site's headed right now. What was it about it that you wanted to get involved? I know you said you were a little bit frustrated, but there must have been some urge even at a young age to get involved in media in some capacity, huh? I always, I was always listening to the radio. The big local radio station at the time was 94 WIP, uh, the big sports station. So I was always listening to guys like that, Howard Eskin, all those people. And it was something I always enjoyed. And I thought I was very well opinionated, well versed in sports and thought I could share my opinions and they could mean something and other people would enjoy them. And it turns out I, I was, I was mostly right. So, uh, that was part of the reason I want to get into it. It's really amazing. I think. You know, we're generationally uh, apart, you know, so I'm a lot older than you, but it's interesting to me how different that opportunity is for guys of your generation. You know, like when I was 15 years old, there was no internet, there was no, there was no blogs, there was no opportunity right. to do that stuff. You know, when we would just kind of gripe about sports and argue about sports in whatever local, um, you know, like our little school newspaper where we had like 250 words to talk about how great Robert Parrish was or whatever, yeah. you know, and you've actually got an, a great outlet to do this and you've got a great following there, uh, both for you and all the other writers at Liberty Ballers. Right. And even 10 years ago, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, I'm just fortunate enough to, to come up in the right time and where, you know, technology, social media is just it's so easy to get involved in anything. And you look at guys like myself or Liam Jones who's on the last podcast running the FGCU website. It's just it's so easy to get involved. And for younger kids, people younger than myself listening to this, wanting to get involved, you know, just do it now. Like There's nothing 
holding you back from getting involved in media, whatever you want to do. You can start your own website. You can find other smaller websites to get your start at it. There are so many ways to, if you want to really do this, if you really want to pursue this as like a career or even just a hobby, there are so many ways to get your work out there. So I would highly suggest, you know, doing it now. There's nothing to wait for. And do you feel any sort of self-consciousness about actually putting your product and your writing out there and sort of, I guess, beta testing what it is that you're doing uh, in a public forum rather than sort of in private? I do. I mean, sometimes my opinions that I would usually keep privately that I put out there, they're a little more questioned than I guess they would be if I kept them myself. But I mean, I don't know. I It's good to think outside the box sometimes. And there's always going to be an aspect of me being you know, concerned about what the people think of my ideas because, you know, you, you say too many ridiculous things, people start tuning me out. But, you know, these are real authentic opinions that come from me. And at some point, I'll, I'll learn as I continue to go on that, you know, the public perception is, is not that big a deal. I just got to focus on putting out good content, you know, things that are authentic ideas to me and, and keeping it moving that way. It does kind of seem in a re- respect, though, that the more ridiculous the opinion you present, the more attention you get. I mean, is there a temptation to do that? Not just not for, for you. Me, I'm no. not you specifically, but you know what I mean? Like whether it's media, uh, you know, anybody trying to get on TV, whatever, it's like you present something that is the most extreme position that you could possibly take. And then that kind of feeds off itself. Do you feel yeah. pressure to do that kind of thing? I, I personally don't feel the pressure because I don't, I don't like the way, I mean, that is definitely the way that sports media is sort of headed these days. Like you watch like first take and stuff like that. My roommates are very big in the first take and I'll sit down and watch that with them a couple of times. And all that stuff just seems so scripted and the opinions from Skip and Stephen A, they're just, they're ridiculous. And you know, I, I just don't, like that aspect of where sports media is today, where you climb the rank by having the most ridiculous ideas or saying the most ridiculous things. And I, and I just don't enjoy that. Enjoy that. I like giving out my opinions that I think are real, that I think I can back up instead of something that is scripted just to get my name out there. I mean, if I, I think I'm in a good place for where I am at my age, but if I got to take the long road, you know, feeding original ideas and original thoughts, then I'm willing to do that instead of sacrificing my whatever journalistic integrity I have to put out some thoughts that really aren't mine or just outlandish in general. Do you let's talk a little bit about sort of how you kind of use the blog to promote the team. So kind of walk us through what happened in 26 2015 rather. You I think if I recall correctly, you started the actual page for the team before you had a team, right? Correct. So it was my first intro to getting involved in the tournament was actually I had been interested in covering it just as a media guy and your PR person Jesse had reached out to me and was like how would you feel about putting together a team? And I was like, that sounds great, but I don't know where I'm going to get the guys from. And then he sort of like coaxed me into it. And I was like, all right, this sounds good. I was like, I'm just going to put it out there on the site, try and jump up a little interest, get some votes out of the gate. Cause I knew if I put something on the site saying we're putting this team together, vote for us. If I already had a decent amount of votes put together, then I knew I could probably get some guys to come. And I think that was big in, in getting the team that I already had was when I got in touch with Ronald Moore, who was had his own team at the time. Uh, I had already could say, listen, I have this amount of votes already. I can get you a whole lot more now that I have you guys on the team. Let's make it work. So that was big, I think, in sort of getting the the foundation for the team. So it was almost like putting it out there first and committing to do it sort of was a self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of ways of if this is going to happen, I'm going to do this and somehow I'm going to get these players. Right. It was sort of, I guess it was sort of a teaser in that sense. But I also wanted to by putting that out there, I really had to commit myself into doing it. And it was something I wanted to do and didn't want to, you know, dilly-dally on on possibly getting in, whether or not I wanted to do it, whether I wanted to sit this one out or whatever. So by putting it out there and saying, listen, Liberty Ball is going to be involved in this tournament, that was sort of my way of pushing myself into really 
focusing on getting a good team and, and getting involved in this year, uh, this past year's tournament. And I think, as you noted, so Ronald Moore had created a team, I think, on his own, along with Kenny Hasbrook and Ryan Rossiter. Those three were teammates at Siena. Right. And so they had a team. They, it seems like they sort of had the players, but maybe not the votes to get in. Right. That was they had a whole group of guys. It was really guys Ronald played college with or had just grown up in the Philadelphia area. He grew up just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, so when he sort of came in contact with me through a third party, uh, his whole objective was he needed someone to get them votes. He was overplaying in Italy. All those guys are playing professionally somewhere. They didn't have the ability to take the time to get the votes, especially the ones to get them a top eight seed, which would have got them a bye last year. So when I came in contact, I said, you know, I'm just a college student. I can devote a lot of time to getting you the votes and getting <laughs> you great. a top eight seed. I love this conversation. This, is this happening over email, texting? How is this this conversation happening? It was the original conversation I had with him was over phone just to introduce him to myself and sort of go through the original negotiating process. And we went a little bit back and forth between money and players and stuff like that. And finally, we agreed. And I told him my my first pitch to him when I first got on the phone was, I will get you a top eight seed. This isn't a question because I really didn't have anyone at the time. I knew this was a good group of guys that I could win with. Yeah. And I really had to sell myself if I was going to get these guys on the team. So I told him, we're getting that first round by. It's not a question. Put your trust in me. And I was fortunate enough that Ronald did. And eventually we came through and, and all was good. And he brought a team. I mean, it's not like he brought a yeah. bunch of schlubs. It's like Ryan Brooks, Jay Cohen, I think, came to the Super 16, Antonio Pena, Reggie Redding. I think Reading was like you know, one of the finalists for MVP award, if not winning it in in uh, Germany last year. Yeah, he was Garrett like Williamson, I think, was the defensive player of the year in Canada. Um, man, he really had a great squad that he brought together. Did you know that all those guys were going to come when he initially had that conversation with you? I did. When I first heard of the roster that was passed along to me, I heard all those guys, and Jay Cohen had had come on later. There was a different guy, Cameron Moore, at the time, but it sounded like an excellent roster, and I knew most of these were Philly guys, so I really wanted. The whole thing about Liberty Ballers is, you know, we covered the Sixers. It's a Philadelphia team. So I wanted Team Liberty Ballers in the basketball tournament to reflect the sort of Philly roots that the blog has. And most of those guys were, you know, there's a lot of Philly connections to basically all of those guys. So I knew that I, you know, this was the roster for me that I had to get these guys in the team. And, and I was fortunate enough that, that Ronald was, was willing to put his trust in my hands and allow me to go get the votes and work with them. And, and I was very happy with, with how things turned, things turned out last year. So before you had the conversation with Ronald, it sounds like you were making an effort to try to put together the team yourself, right? Yeah. So I was sort of going through, I was going through Facebook. Facebook was my big thing at the time where I would sort of, I was looking up guys from Philly or guys that I remembered off the top of my head that played in the Philadelphia area. I was just reaching out to them on Facebook, like, listen, I'm putting together this team. There's a lot of money involved. We win. Like, let me know if you're interested. And there was like two or three people that got back to me. One was James Bell, who actually ended up playing on our team last year. He told me he was waiting for the other Nova guys to decide. Okay. And then I think the other one was Ty Garland or something like that. It was one of the LaSalle guys who also told me they had their own team going. So really, I, I ran through most of maybe 40 to 50 Facebook pages just trying to talk to guys and really most of them were just getting ignored and I would try and reach out to agents or people that I just had contacts with in the area through doing reporting work and and it was getting tough to, to find a roster so when I heard you know Ronald wanted someone to help get them votes or whatever and I got in contact with him and I knew if I didn't seal the deal it was going to be really really tough to put together a roster that could actually fight and you know compete and win in this tournament. There was a great article I was reading I think it was on CSN Philly uh, where the writer must have been at the press conference or something afterwards where you kind of relayed a version of that story where you talked about reaching out to the 40 guys and Reggie Redding, you know, Villanova Final Four player, he pipes in, he says, that was you reaching right. out? Like, what was that? Was that like a, 
uh, connection that you made with him before or was he you know solely from Ronald? No, so he was one of the many guys that I had reached out to, and he was also one of the many guys that just happened to ignore me. So when he said that, I was like, oh, so you're reading my messages, like, we're cool now, but you couldn't have got back to me then, and, you know, we couldn't have put together that connection back then. So that was funny, and it was just sort of one of those things where I was like, yeah, like, I put in all this work, and, you know, you just left me hanging there, but I'm glad we're cool now, and we're at the stage where we can win some games together. So you actually had, you know, multiple weekends to kind of forge a relationship with these guys, and it sounds like, and it looked like to me when I saw you all get together in Chicago, that that was really the case yeah it was I mean working with them was was really cool I went out there the first time I met all of them was they were practicing at uh, Plymouth White Marsh which was a high school in uh, just outside of Philadelphia is where Ronald Moore went where his brother went Chuck Moore who was our coach uh, and I had just flown back from Las Vegas Summer League I had literally got in that, a- that first afternoon they were practicing it was the Thursday before our first game on Saturday so as soon as I got my car from the airport, I drove up to Plymouth White Marsh. It was like a good 45 minutes away. And I met them, and they were all really cool. And they actually let me in like a game of pickup and stuff like that. And I was just hanging out with them. And just between that weekend and going there and, and being out in Chicago for four days, I thought we were really able to – they were able to get to know me. I was able to get to know them. And I think we really hit it off. And we had a whole like a team group chat going at during the tournament, which was cool, which kind of carried over after the uh, the tournament ended a little bit. And I still keep up with some of them here and there on social media. They're a great group of guys. Uh, I really took a liking to them. I would like to think they took a liking to me. And, and I would love to have, you know, basically all of them back again for, for this tournament, provided that they're interested in working with me again. What was, the, what was the plan that you put together to get the votes for that team to qualify? Because it was obviously important in 2015 and 2016. You know, we haven't made any announcements yet, but it's going to be even tougher. So I'm curious okay. what the plan was you had last year to get the votes. Well, I like a challenge, but uh, last year was essentially that I knew I was going to push the website. I was going to try and post updates on the website or whatever, make sure that was getting out. But social media was also big. Um, like the Liberty Ballers Twitter page is like 10,000 followers at the time. I had like 4,500, 5,000 at the time. So I knew if I just kept pushing through those platforms uh, that I could definitely get some help. I was posting on Facebook a lot. My parents were helping out. And there were some other writers that I knew that were, you know, had a lot of followings on Twitter. So they would post some stuff for me just out of, you know, a nice gesture on their part. And I also made flyers, like a little 8 by 11 like cards or whatever that I had printed and they mailed them to me. I think I spent like 40, 50 bucks getting like all these, these postcards together with team information. And I would just pass them out, you know, to different people or whatever. I was, I, went, I remember one day I went to the subway station, get on the subway, and there was all these cars sitting outside. So I was just sliding these these little p- placards, you know, like right under their windshield saying, hey, vote for Team Liberty Ballers. I was trying to get votes in any way I could. And so I sort of – we pushed the social media hard. We did stuff through the website. But I was just going out like door-to-door kind of stuff, just trying to get some votes together. And, you know, that I guess the combination of the three just all really worked out well. What did the flyer say? Uh, it was something like – I still have a bunch of them in my car. It was just like – vote for Team Liberty Ballers in 2015 or whatever. And I said, like, guys on the roster include, you know, some of the local talent, like Reggie Redding, James Bell, Antonio Pena, Ronald Moore, stuff like that. And I was like, we can win a million dollars and you guys can win prizes too. And it was like, they were laminated and stuff like that. They looked really well, if I, if I do say so myself. And it took me like five minutes to put them together. Um, I would like to think they got me a couple extra votes. I mean, I spent good money on them, so it, I would hope they kind of paid off. But, I mean, if provided we keep the same roster again, maybe I'll start shelling out some more uh, – some more for next year. I was going to ask you how big of a component of your pitch the idea that the fans were going to win money if you guys won was. Honestly, I don't know if that was that much of a thing for for at least my group of people. I mean, obviously, 
that was enticing for some people. I know I had a group of friends that was like, oh, if I got fans to vote, then I win extra money. Like, I'm into it. But, like, I guess I just have, like, a lot of good friends and good people I know that were just willing to help me out here in this case, uh, no matter what the prize was. And obviously having a little money on top of that, if we won, would have been cooler, a T-shirt or whatever. But I think people were just kind enough to do it out of the goodness of their heart and just to, to help out someone who was begging and pleading and, and really needed a little extra help at the time. Being a, uh, a Sixers fan and now writing about the team – it's got to be an interesting experience over the last couple of years because the team has been just so bad, you know, right. and the the plan as it's been put forth is to actually be bad. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about what it's like to not really have any control over the say of how that uh, team is going to is going to win or fail or what the plan is. I mean, do you feel uh, powerless in a, in a sense of what the team is doing and you just kind of have to sit here and and write about this sort of uh, at the beginning of the season i felt a little i maybe desperate is the word for it i just i was upset with where they were at the beginning of the season because they were they were losing and nerlands was looking bad just the whole team just didn't have the same vibe that they had at the end of last year when they were winning a little bit so that was that sort of hurt me in the sense that like i have to watch this like awful product and like there's not there's absolutely nothing i can do to like make these guys better and i like, know they're going to improve and then they brought back ishmith and Things sort of turned around a little bit, so I feel better about where they are. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough when you look at this team, especially at the start of every year. Like two years ago, you're like, wow, this team's really going to be bad for like a long time. How do I put up with this? Uh, it's sort of something you get used to. And then really on a night-to-night basis, you just look for progression. Like you just want to see guys doing better regardless of whether or not you win. Uh, so that sort of helped me get through you know, the sort of feeling bad about where the team is at this point. Yeah, I mean, I was looking through the last several posts that you have on Liberty Ballers and the headlines, are, I think <laughs> they kind of say it all about the state of affairs with that team. It's like, can yeah. Robert Covington's hot hand last? Uh, Sam Hinkie gives update on new practice facility. You know, okay. Uh, this is the best one, I think. Is Philadelphia not bad enough to keep top lottery odds? Right. That's great. I mean, it's just, it's, I think it's amazing. It's just that the fandom in that major metropolitan area, one of the biggest cities in the U.S., has kind of put up with that for so long. It's, I mean, it got, it's got to be amazing to actually witness that happening. It's, it's very interesting the fact that it's happening in Philadelphia, a city that's always win now, you got to go for it now. Like we don't take losing kindly, and then you have this big fan base that is like, okay, we'll put off, like we're willing to lose for a couple years to get to that promised land. And I think that's B. I think that's big, knowing that. There's a you know, there's a legitimate plan in place that I yeah. think some of the other teams like the Eagles or you know even the Phillies didn't have for a while. So knowing that you know we're gonna have to go through these couple years of suffering, but there could really be a light at the end of the tunnel was big in sort of getting the fan base as a whole to buy into it. And I think I think right now sort of confidence is running a little low in terms of of where they are. Like I think they need to really put things together soon to turn it around. Uh, but. But that's it, I think. I think that uh, that people really bought in much more than I thought they would. In the well, city. isn't the phrase like trust the process or something? Is that the is that the phrase that I always see on the line about whatever Hinky's doing is trust the process, right? So it seems like there is a process. And the fact of the matter is in the NBA, it's just extraordinarily hard to become good without being really bad first. Right. I mean, the the draft is a huge way to, to build talent. And you look at what Oklahoma City did with getting Durant and Westbrook and basically any team that has ever won in the NBA – build a decent core through the draft. And that's what the Sixers are trying to do. They're trying to, to build a really good core through the draft and then add some pieces through trade and free agency and go from there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with what, they, what they're doing so far. I'm interested also because, you know, you've got a different dynamic too with the TBT team that you have is that, you know, you've got a great core that kind of came together on its own. And it sounds like 
there's going to be some pieces added in for 2016 as well, huh? Yeah, I think we're going to – there's a couple of, of names we're out there looking to get, and uh, I'm Anything hoping they'll be willing to sign on. Uh, nothing yet. It's a little, a little too soon. Uh, there was one name last year uh, that I was hoping we would get, and uh, he wasn't that interested in playing at the time. Maybe it was just where he was in his career. I don't know. Uh, but we're hoping to get him back involved, and there's a couple other – Local project, uh, local products that are doing well overseas that I think we'd like to uh, to add at some different places, but it's a little too soon to to tip my hand there. Going through the regional weekend, so you played Wrecking Crew, which is a Lehigh, essentially a Lehigh alumni team in the first round uh, that you all played, uh, beat them, and then played DMV's Finest, which is a team of uh, really excellent team, frankly, that had a bunch of Georgetown guys, Chris Wright, Austin Freeman. What was it like? being a part of that, being on the bench and seeing this team go from something that was living digitally on the website to actually seeing it happen on the court. It was amazing. I mean, seeing Liberty Ballers on a, a basketball jersey, especially one that I had, you know, I got my name on my back and Liberty Ballers on the front. That's sort of like a, a surreal experience for me. And I got out there on that Saturday against that Lehigh team. And I'm going to be honest, like we all felt confident enough, like we were just going to blow them out of the water. Like we were, we were just too good. I thought we were just going to steamroll through that team. And I think we ended up winning by 12, but that game was tied until like four minutes left in the second half. And I was sitting there on the bench, like screaming and yelling like an idiot, like someone who was just sitting in the stands. And I think at one point, one of them just like patted me on the leg, like telling me to chill out. And then it took me like that, that, <laughs> Wait, that moment to so realize. So like, the players were telling you to chill out? They weren't like, they weren't like, they just, I don't know what the whole thing was. Basically, I was just kind of like going nuts about something. And one of them just kind of like patted me on the leg. It was just, that was like sort of his way of like, saying you know like relax a little bit without actually like telling me to relax because i guess we weren't like we weren't cool at that point where you could just be like yo chill out yeah um so i needed that moment to sort of realize that like hey i'm I'm, like really a part of this team like i gotta like approach it like that like we're not gonna lose this game like we're still very much in this thing like we can do it and then it turns out we ended up winning by 12 and and it was cool and and the sunday game against the dmv team was interesting and i had actually made sure to go out and watch them because i knew the way the bracket worked that we were gonna you know if we won on saturday we were most likely going to see them uh, and I knew what they were capable of, and I knew where some of their weaknesses are. And it was funny because the team is run by – it was two Maryland guys. It was John Auslander, who was a former player, and I think he's like a grad assistant there now maybe, yep. and Juan Dixon, who was a coach. And obviously I was you know, a student there last year. So to come out of that and say like, yeah, I beat Juan Dixon you know, as a former – as a Maryland student was kind of cool. And some of my friends down there got a kick out of it. So, uh, so that was a fun aspect. But that was a really good team. Both those teams were honestly really good, and I think – one of the guys from the Lehigh team, Holden Griner, I think his name is, he's over in Canada playing with Garrett Williamson. They're both on the same team now. So okay. funny how TBT connections work like that. And then you get to the Super 17 in uh, Chicago, round of 16, and you're matched yeah. up in the first game with Bayheim's Army. Yeah. Uh, uh, which was a loss, 78-72, but um, that was the first time I had seen the teams from the Northeast Regional play in person, and I was stunned. Just at how good, first of all, how good they were, how intense the game was. I mean, I, what were your impressions of that game against Bayham's Army? Yeah, that game was was serious, and I had you know obviously I had watched the LaSalle, uh, the twentieth and only in the the Bayham's Army game uh, from where that Sunday in the Northeast Regional, and I watched the fight between Stephen Smith and Devendorf, and I was like, okay, like they're were, really. Were you there it. in person for that? I wish I was there in person. I left a couple hours earlier, but I was watching on the live stream online and I was like, okay, like these guys can bring it. Like we have to, to do the same. And I knew they had some former NBA town and, and some guys on the team that could play. And I really wanted to beat their ass because I just can't stand. There's something about Syracuse that I just don't like. I just don't like Beheim that much as like a guy. <laughs> really? I, I don't like. I never I just, knew you had all this. This is, this is great. No, 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 Let's this is explore this a little bit. When I was in Chicago after that game, I went up to you and I was like, 
man, I wanted that win because I really just don't like Syracuse. I just don't know what it is. It's not like I didn't get I got rejected from that school. Like I didn't even apply there. But it's just there's something about that and like playing in like a, a two three zone. It's just I just don't appreciate that. So like that was a game that I wanted to come out of and like really win. And props to them because they had a hell of a team that played really well. Um, uh, Demetrius Nichols played well. Hakeem Warwick, obviously NBA talent. He was incredible. Eric Devendorf, I, I was stunned by uh, by how good he is. Wasn't that uh, can, that was really surprising? Because you know yeah. he hadn't played in a couple of years because of some back injuries and stuff. But right. like honestly, he was all over the court. I think he put up like eighteen points on us and like six of eight shooting. I don't know why I remember that stat line, but those are like the kind of things that that stick for me from a tight loss. And and he was great, and and he was a nice dude. Out of all the guys on the team that were talking smack, he was not one of them. So maybe it was just in one of those games where he was you know in the zone and wasn't trying to trying to you know get us hype um but he came over at the end of the game and gave me like a pat on the back which is cool and he's a nice guy I got nothing you know anything bad to say about him or that team in general i'm just i'm just not a syracuse fan that's all did you grow up as a villanova fan or something and see them no. play each other in the big east or what was the background so i'm a temple i'm a temple guy through and through my dad went to temple uh my aunt went to temple for a little bit like i'm i'm a temple guy i used to go up grow up going to temple games i remember all those guys like khalif wyatt some of the guys that played in the tournament, like I watched all of those guys. I was there for a lot of those games and I don't look at Villanova as a Philadelphia team. They're from the main line. So like they're not true Philadelphia, even though they're in the big five, whatever. So like I'm, I've always been a temple guy and I would, I would tune in to watch Villanova just like I would tune in to watch St. Joe's when they were going good. Cause they were, they were technically Philadelphia. Like I think St. Joe's is a whole lot more Philly than the Nova is, but I would watch those teams. And so that's how I became familiar, familiar with guys like Antonio Pena and Reggie Redding. Cause I sort of grew up watching these guys on national TV when their teams were yeah. national powerhouses. So that was sort of my introduction to those guys and to those teams. But I've always been someone who supported Temple. Where did the where did the Syracuse and the Bayheim animosity come from? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it's because they were successful. Honestly, I just I just don't like teams that that run like the way they do. And I Bayheim hasn't always been the cleanest of coaches. I guess when it comes to the way he's run things. Um, so yeah, that was that's sort of where it wasn't anything like I have like a specific story or a moment where I was like, this is the reason why I don't like those guys. Yeah, it's just growing up in general. It was just they were never a team that I was really fond of for some reason. It's definitely interesting, I think, just as a sports fan, knowing that there's certain teams that are always either loved or hated. You know, and so you've got the Cowboys clearly are loved by millions but hated by more. You know, and you've got the Yankees loved by millions, probably hated by more. The Red Sox, I think, have become one of those teams that is hated by a lot of people, largely not not because of the team itself, but because of the fans like myself. Uh, what? So it's interesting. Do you have other teams that are like that, that you feel sort of similarly emotionally invested against? Dallas is definitely one of those teams, obviously, because I'm a Philly guy and I like the Eagles. And Dallas has always been that one team that, especially in the NFC East, that I just like kicking their ass more than any other team uh, that's out there. Uh, otherwise that's really about it. I don't really have any, like, other than like, you know, Philadelphia rivals, like the Mets or something like that. I don't have any crazy animosity towards some other teams, but Duke is another one that, you know, I don't really care for that much. I would be more inclined to side with, with UNC for some personal reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, and props to the Syracuse people who were at the tournament this past summer. Cause when they were in Chicago, they were out there like 500 strong. Like that was one team that like really had like a traveling fan base that really supported them. So I respect them for that, but just the way Syracuse basketball is and, you know, the guys at the helm and the way they play is just, just not my style. What do you think you could do to get Liberty Ballers to have that sort of fandom? That's a great question. I think I think the site is at a place where we could sort of get there. I mean, 
we've got a lot of readers there every day. We've had millions of readers over the past year or so. And I think it's just all about building that connection and, and having events where they can come out and support us. Like every year through the site, we have this draft lottery party where everyone gets together like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something. And, you know, you watch the draft lottery together and see how the Sixers picks fall. And, you know, it's, a, it's always a good time. And that's where you really get to interact with Liberty Ballers readers and build a community. And last year we had like 700 people packed into this, you know, small Buffalo Wild Wings in Northeast Philly where there's a two-hour line out the door. Uh, so those things are big. And I think if we can turn, you know, website community building events like that into something that translates into, you know, supporting a real basketball team that we put together through the website, that could be big. And we had a couple of people that came out last year, but I would love to have some more support where, I mean, I'm not going to expect people to be out in Chicago or whatever supporting us like 300 large like they did for Syracuse. But if we can get people to like pack the stands for us while we're playing in Philly, that would be huge and, and give us an advantage that a lot of those other teams wouldn't have. For sure. And it seems to me like if you have that crowd behind you, particularly in a one and done situation that emotionally is almost more like a boxing match than a basketball game. Right. Uh, it seems like if you have that crowd behind you, it's really going to help. It's definitely a momentum thing. I mean, and you watched how the Syracuse fans could just get behind that team and really propel them when they were doing well or, you know, help them fight back or whatever. Crowd, crowd, being involved in the crowd is, is always big. And obviously I was never really a player. I was always supporting from the stands. So I try and help as much as I could from there. And I'd like to have that same sort of help next year as well. This is great. Jake, let's touch base. I'd love to talk more about maybe getting some, some of those 700 uh, Liberty Ballers fans out to the game there in Philly this year. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. All right.